Today's episode of the Kotke Ride Home is sponsored by Podcorn. I know a lot of you listening are podcasters yourselves, so you need to know about this great way to earn income from your podcast on your own terms. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host-read ads, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. And you are in total control. There's no middleman. No matter how big or small your podcast is, you can use Podcorn to find sponsors right on the platform, set your own rates, and collaborate with brands. And they'll even guide you through anything you might be new to, like figuring out what your rates should even be. The best part is that you retain total rights to your podcast, and Podcorn makes sure that you stay protected and get compensated. So link in the show notes to sign up for Podcorn and start browsing all kinds of sponsorship opportunities for your podcast. Thanks again to Podcorn for sponsoring today's episode. And again, you can explore those sponsorship opportunities and start monetizing your podcast by signing up at podcorn.com slash podcasters. Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Tuesday, September 8th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. The first cloned endangered horse has been born. Next stop, woolly mammoth de-extinction. The New Zealand man who won the French Scrabble competition without speaking a single word of French. The rising popularity of produce prescription programs. And have you been more clumsy during lockdown? If so, you're not alone. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. The first clone of an endangered horse was born early last month in Texas, the first endangered species to be successfully cloned in 17 years. The little Sebastian lookalike foal, Kurt, was cloned using DNA from a Chevalsky's horse that was cryopreserved back in 1980. Chevalsky's horses are found in Mongolia, the last of the truly wild horses that have never been domesticated and are listed as critically endangered. According to the Smithsonian, they're basically Ice Age animals who love cold weather and snow but can tolerate warmer temperatures if need be. They share a common ancestor with modern-day horses but likely split off 500,000 years ago. And while they have been bred in the past to increase population, this cloning is intended to increase genetic diversity to improve the species' chance of survival. The cloning was conducted by San Diego Zoo Global in partnership with Revive and Restore, which is an organization focused on the, quote, genetic rescue of endangered and extinct species. They're one of the major players in the race to clone woolly mammoths, which you may recall some Japanese scientists not affiliated with Revive and Restore made progress on in the spring of last year when cells they recovered from a 28,000-year-old mammoth showed signs of life. The cells came from a juvenile mammoth preserved in the Siberian permafrost and discovered in 2011. And while the cells were reactive after being implanted into mouse cells, the team emphasized that this is not yet enough to bring an entire mammoth back to life. And why the fascination with bringing woolly mammoths back to life? Revive and Restore points to three main reasons. First, the climate crisis. The grassland ecosystem largely dissipated when grazing mammoths became extinct. So, quoting Revive and Restore, 
The tundra ecosystem that arose in the absence of these large grazing species is now affected by and contributing to human-driven climate change. Without large animals to compact and scrape away thick insulating layers of winter snow, extreme winter cold does not penetrate the soil. That fact, coupled with significantly warmer summers, accelerates the melting of the permafrost and the release of greenhouse gases that have been trapped for millennia. From a global carbon perspective, the carbon release from melting of the world's permafrost is equivalent to burning all the world's forests two and a half times. The work of Dr. Sergei Zimov shows promise that tundra can be converted back to grasslands with the introduction of grazers even 10,000 years after their disappearance. The introduction of grazers to tundra generates a nutrient cycle that allows grasses to outcompete the tundra flora, converting the ecosystem in a manner that then favors the persistence of grazers and grasses. Not only do Arctic grasslands support higher biodiversity and abundance, there's building evidence that the grazing, compaction, and disturbance effects of these larger herbivores enables the deeper freezing of the permafrost during the winter months. The grasses then insulate the permafrost from melting during summer months, further preventing the release of greenhouse gases, end quote. Second, there are countless discoveries that can be made about biology and medicine from studying ancient DNA, but much of it can only be done when those animals are brought back to life. And third, Revive and Restore says that everything they discover in the pursuit of woolly mammoth de-extinction will inform more effective practices for conservation in other large mammals. And while I have a healthy dose of skepticism about all of this, I did appreciate one response on the company's FAQ to the hypothetical question of what makes this different from Jurassic Park. They said, quote, It was a wonderful movie which introduced the world to the idea of de-extinction back in 1993. Its science fiction is quite different from current reality, though. First, no dinosaurs. Sorry. No recoverable DNA has been found in dinosaur fossils, nor in amber-encased mosquitoes. Robert Lanza observes, you can't clone from stone. Second, the plot of the movie is driven by protecting the commercial secrecy of an island theme park. Real-world de-extinction is being conducted with total transparency. Eventual rewilding of revived species can be no more commercial than the current worldwide protection of endangered species and wildlands. End quote. And I do have to say, having recently reread and rewatched Jurassic Park, it was definitely the ego driven capitalistic ambitions that kind of frightened me more than the cloned dinosaurs, so they have a point. And as for Kurt, the newly born Shavalsky's horse, Past cloning of other species and his present conditions leave every reason to believe he'll grow up happy and healthy at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park, where he'll soon join other Shavalsky's horses once he's weaned and hopefully, well, continue the genetic line. So this is a story that's been making the rounds again, thanks to Twitter user Massimo sharing it over the weekend. The story of New Zealander Nigel Richards who won the French-language Scrabble World Championships in 2015 despite not speaking a single word of French. Well, that may be a bit of an exaggeration, because I'm sure he can say things like bonjour and merci and omelette du fromage. Plus, his strategy here was memorizing the entire French-language Scrabble dictionary. So, like, you know, he probably knows how to spell all the words and can probably guess at their pronunciations even if he doesn't necessarily know how to define them all. As Rand Bleckman on Twitter joked, quote, basically how machine learning works. But to back up, 
Richards is a master Scrabble player. He is the only person to have won the World Scrabble Championship more than once, having won in 2007, 2011, 2013, 2018, and 2019, as well as winning countless other Scrabble Championships. 538 in the headline for the most 538 type of analysis you could ever want of Scrabble called Richard the best Scrabble player on Earth. That was in 2014, before Richard went on to spend nine months memorizing the French Scrabble Dictionary and winning the championship title with a score of 565 to 434. And that dictionary, by the way, it has 386,000 words in it more than double the North American Scrabble Dictionary. So how'd he do it? Well, experts and acquaintances have shared a few insights. Richards is, unsurprisingly, pretty reclusive and rarely gives interviews. But honestly, mostly it comes down to him being a genius with memorization, math, and strategy. Scrabble expert Stefan Fatsis told NPR, quote, Basically what he does is he looks at word lists and looks at dictionary pages. He can conjure up the image of what he's seen. He told me that if he actually hears a word, it doesn't stick in his brain. But if he sees it once, that's enough for him to recall the image of it. I don't know if that's a photographic memory. I just think it's something that his brain chemistry allows him to do. End quote. Fences and other Scrabble experts emphasize that it's really a lot about board geometry and math, not just memorization which is what makes Richard's many accomplishments all the more impressive. Recounting one of Richard's early successes in 1998, 538 said, quote, Richard's had a rack of C, D, H, L, R, N, question mark. Question mark denotes a blank tile. There was an E available on the board. Richard's could have played children for a bingo and a 50-point bonus. Instead, Richard's played through two disconnected O's and an E, the word, the ten-letter, Chlorodyne, end quote. So yeah, he's on a whole other level. As Fatsis said, quote, Richards is like Tiger Woods at his peak, and then Tiger saying, I think I'll also take up tennis and then win Wimbledon the next year, end quote. Imagine if your favorite casino came with an undo button. That's exactly what you get with FanDuel Casino's Play It Again. Get up to $1,000 back if you're down after your first day. Play your favorite table games in hundreds of slots for real cash. And see for yourself why FanDuel Casino is the number one rated online casino app. Explore daily and weekly promotions. Play with live dealers. And if you ever have a question, our best-in-class customer support team is here to help 24-7. Sign up for FanDuel Casino at FanDuel.com PA3 today. And play it again with up to $1,000 back if you're down after your first day. 21 plus and present in Pennsylvania. Must not have previously placed any wager on FanDuel Sportsbook, FanDuel Casino, Betfair Casino, Mohegan Sun Casino, or Stardust Casino. Refund issued as non-withdrawable casino online site credit that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com casino. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG. So I had never heard of this before, and I think it's really cool. Produce prescription programs. And no, I didn't mean to say subscription, like those monthly boxes of ugly produce you can sign up for. I'm actually talking about prescription. It's a program in many towns across the U.S. wherein underserved populations get easier access to fruits and vegetables via a collaboration between healthcare providers, community organizations, and fresh produce retailers. In practice, this often looks like a doctor writing a prescription that enables the patient to go to a farmer's market, store, or co-op that participates in the program and get a certain amount of fresh produce and sometimes other whole foods to promote a healthy diet. In some places like Chicago, the program also includes cooking lessons. 
The individuals the programs are aimed at are primarily food-insecure individuals, whether due to lack of money or geographic access to fresh foods or both, with diet-related health conditions, and some programs focus specifically on children. It's been going on for years in some areas and was formalized by the U.S. Department of Agriculture in 2014, but has grown extra popular during lockdown, as people with chronic illnesses avoid going to stores and try to stay as healthy as possible to ward off the coronavirus, and as programs change to accommodate demand and health concerns. Heidi Wengreen, an associate professor of nutrition at Utah State University, pointed out to Healthline that while most of the programs target lower-income individuals, the model could be useful for all people. She said, quote, People may be more likely to make a behavior change if the recommendation comes from their health care provider as part of a treatment plan for conditions such as diabetes, heart disease, high blood pressure, or obesity, end quote. And many players in the produce prescription sphere want to see it expanded more broadly after the pandemic, which has already changed the face of produce prescription programs, or PPPs. Since lockdown started, one farm that provides produce for Veggie RX in Chicago says their orders picked up from 35 to 70 boxes a week to 130 to 160 boxes a week. Local Food Hub in Charlottesville, Virginia has seen a similar boom and says that they're helping out the small family farms who have lost customers during lockdown. Most PPP proponents emphasize how it benefits local farms, especially now. According to an economic impact report from Yelp, interest in CSAs jumped over 400% from March to April of this year. People are clearly interested in fresh local food and seeing the need for it. And to ensure that PPPs will be able to continue strong after the pandemic, proponents have been trying to get insurance companies on board. Quoting Civil Eats, Researchers at the University of Mississippi argue that PPPs are essential all the time and want to take the idea a step further by bringing insurers into the mix for the long haul. Currently, however, insurers only pay for such programs for a short period of time, like six months, if at all. And experts say that may not be enough time to make a long-term dietary change needed to fundamentally shift one's health and build a brand new relationship with food. Insurers should be paying for these services because we know two things. Chronic conditions are not going to go away, and food insecurity is not going to go away with a one-off program says Megan Rosenthal, an associate professor of pharmacy administration at the University of Mississippi, end quote. And Rosenthal notes that food is essential in avoiding complications with chronic conditions and that the pandemic has just shone a light on how vital this is. Now, I'm not surprised that this program is not particularly well-funded and struggles with getting the long-term backing of insurance companies, but it's reassuring to know that it exists at all. And I hope Rosenthal is right that the pandemic will show the relevant policymakers just how crucial this kind of thing is, because this could be a pretty revolutionary model. I mean, it says a lot that it's necessary at all, and we can't ignore the systems that got us to this place, but I do really like it as a solution. A sort of reframing to emphasize just how crucial healthy food is for everyone, as crucial as any other medicine your doctor would prescribe. Have you found yourself bumping into table corners more often? Maybe dropping your phone more frequently? Breaking record numbers of dishware? According to a totally not-at-all-scientific survey from The Atlantic, you're not alone. Turns out, anecdotally, a lot of us have been more clumsy since lockdown started, and writer Amanda Mull has three possible theories. One, we're all a bit on edge, more stressed out, perhaps more anxious. 
Quoting The Atlantic, In one survey released this summer, more than half of respondents reported feeling more stressed in May than they had in January. According to a May report from the Census Bureau, the rate of American adults who say they have symptoms of an anxiety disorder has more than tripled since the same time last year. Stress and anxiety are mental processes, but they can have unmistakable physical manifestations, such as sweating and heart palpitations. The internet is full of pop psychology about stress's potential to interfere with fine motor skills, potentially making it harder to securely grip an object or avoid obstacles in your path. End quote. But occupational therapy professor Gerard Vobel says stress does not affect fine motor skills. It can affect spatial awareness, though. Quoting again, are we conscious? Are we alert? Do we have the attention that we placed our glass at this point here and not three inches away? Volbel asked. When those little mental processes are hampered by stress, he said, your grip might not be as well targeted as usual, or you might bump into a glass instead of grasping it. Stress and anxiety are also very effective distractions, which is why you might forget the bowl you're about to elbow off the counter is there at all, even if you put it there yourself 30 seconds ago. End quote. A second theory is that those of us who are stuck at home are probably spending more time in the kitchen, where most accidents tend to happen. We also may be multitasking a lot more, especially parents, and more stressed out and therefore less aware of our environments. We're also comfortable in our homes, so we don't pay attention as much as we might in other spaces. I am personally a big fan of this theory, as a notoriously clumsy person who has worked from home for the better part of the last decade. Maybe it means I'm not really clumsier than other people, I just work from home and suffer the effects. But the last theory, which Vobel shared, is that our clumsy acts might just be more noticeable now. Both because we have less going on, and more likely because they cause bigger reactions in us. You know, if you're already stressed and spread thin by the pandemic and its ripple effects, you might snap more easily when you break a mug. I mean, heck, just dropping your phone and breaking the screen isn't merely annoying and costly anymore. Now you have to do a whole dance in your head of what stores or repair shops are even open and what their policies are. If you don't have a car, how are you safely going to get there? Everything requires so much more thought and can cause so much more stress these days that really, it's no wonder that we're all on edge. And regardless of the exact reason for it, just know that if you stub your toe on your way to refill your coffee after listening to this, you're not alone. That is it for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotke.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I'm going to go spend some time reading my favorite book, The French Scrabble Dictionary. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.